Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching. We're real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed, teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, welcome back, and I'd like to start right off with a monumental question. Have you ever wondered, am I neurotic? Now, according to my definition, a neurotic struggle is based on two factors. One, a lack of self-trust, and two, a habit of insecurity-driven thinking. Now, maybe, maybe there are people who are totally secure. They may never feel vulnerable or intimidated by life's challenges. Totally secure. Now, if so, I've never met such a person. But if such a person did exist and I happen to come across that person, they would have complete self-trust. They would never, ever worry. Their moods would always be balanced and healthy. And such a person would have absolute self-confidence that they could handle whatever life throws at them. And this would be a non-neurotic person. But, like I said, I've never met such a person. Now, maybe you have, or maybe you might consider yourself such a person. Zero neurotic thinking or behavior. And if so, maybe maybe this, this podcast is not for you. <laughs> but for the rest of us, if you're like most people, then you do suffer from some degree of neurotic struggle. Don't get upset because the way I see it, it's part of being human. You know, we're we're born vulnerable creatures and we try to control life from an early an early stage. And as we grow, we try to just ferret off those things that can hurt us. And since we are vulnerable creatures, we we don't always feel safe. And insecurity can start to lead the way. What if this happens? What if that happens? How will I handle such and such? So if you're like most people, including myself and everyone else that I've ever met, to some degree, there's going to be some neurosis in your constitution. So today, what I'd like to do is I'd like to attempt to help you understand just how neurotic you are. Now, let's Always think in terms of continuums. If we go on the, let's say, the left side of that continuum, we have the zero perfect person, no neurosis whatsoever. This godlike being has complete self-trust. They can handle whatever life throws at them without flinching, without doubt. This is the person at the zero end of the continuum. As we progress along that continuum, the zero person becomes now a person with some self-distrust, but mostly a healthy person who handles life. Every once in a while, they get knocked off their pins and have to recover and regroup their thinking. But 
these are pretty healthy people. This is mild stage of neurosis. You know, when we think of neurosis, we tend to think in black and white terms. You know, there's a neurotic person and there's a normal person, but that's not the case. And in my estimation, in all psychological thinking, you always need to think in terms of a continuum. How much? How much am I disabled by insecurity or not? And as you progress more and more along that neurotic scale, that neurotic continuum, we go into more mild and then into more severe cases where your life is really hobbled by neurotic thinking, insecurity-driven thinking. So think in terms of today's discussion, that continuum. And what we're going to try to do is help you understand just where you land on that continuum. Now, how would this be helpful? Well, because I think it's important to understand or to become at least objective that if insecurity and neurotic thinking is having a heavy hand on your life, tipping the scale in a direction where you're not happy, you're just struggling along, just not, not getting ahead in life, feeling good, feeling satisfied, well, then it's a good idea to understand what you're up against and to not sweep any more of this neurotic thinking under the proverbial rug. So if you accept that all life, all psychological life occurs on a continuum, we shall now explore how to figure that out. Just where am I on that continuum? So I should say that these neurotic struggles that I'm talking about are specific to insecurity-driven thinking. And that's the toxic thinking that erodes personality that creates the impetus for depression, for anxiety, and in general, emotional struggle. Now, but these happen to be struggles that can be addressed, minimized, and sometimes eliminated. So where you are in that continuum can shift. It's not a life sentence that you are moderately or even severely neurotic. What's important is that you realize that your neurosis is a habit. But I don't like to even think in terms of the word neurosis. I like to think of it more as habits of insecurity. And I like the word habit because that which is toxic, that which has riddled your life with insecurity and self-doubt and all those kinds of fearful things and pessimism, it's, it's driven by the toxic, insecurity-driven thoughts that have become habituated. So in a sense, insecurity is steering our thinking. We, being in the backseat, are just being Ubered around, Ubered around by insecurity. And oftentimes we just accept this as the status quo. This is who I am. I struggle. I'm anxious. I'm moody. Things upset me too easily. Now, it's important to keep in mind that we're not talking about circumstantial challenges or stressors. We're talking specifically about those that are caused by insecurity. Circumstantial stressors, well, it's like losing a job, catching COVID, or maybe needing surgery. These, these are things that really will cause havoc, sometimes understandable worry, sometimes understandable insecurity. But these are the transient circumstantial challenges that come and go in our lives. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about the chronic habituated patterns 
of toxic neurotic thinking. Now, in a moment, I'm going to provide you with a list to give you kind of a, a clue as to where you might fall on that continuum. And as we go through the list, I want you to be courageously honest with yourself. It's a true-false list. You're going to either say, that statement applies to me, that's a true, or that statement doesn't apply to me, that's a false. So I'm going to ask you to be very honest, and don't be afraid to be honest, because your insecurity might want you to come out with a 100% score with a zero neurotic tendency, but that's not going to help you feel better. So come on, look for that objectivity. Let's be brutally honest with ourselves as we go through the list. So let me just say, if you are sitting at home, you might want to grab a pencil and paper and just to mark down each statement that is a true statement for you. And don't worry about writing down what are the false. Just count the number of true statements that apply to you. Now, if you're driving in a car and you're listening to this, obviously we can't get, get you to get a pencil and paper. So count on your fingers. If you feel there's true statement, that, that's one finger. <laughs> I don't know what else. I don't know how else you count when you're driving a car. But if you get, if you get more than 10 truths, then go back to the pinky finger again and start again on number 11. So do the best you can if you're not home with a pencil and paper. Now, I don't want you to overthink these responses because insecurity will just rear its head and saying, yes, but I know that sometimes I'm not always. Yeah, be careful. Sometimes your gut is a good estimate of what the truth is. So let's begin. But I want you to see just how many of these statements apply to you. And and, and let me just caution. it's it, These statements are they're, they're relative statements. So there's no black and white. Just try to see if it's either mostly true or not doesn't have to be absolutely true. So be a little loose with these. For example, let's start with the first one. I often start my thoughts with what if. Okay. So if you're a what if, or that would be a true. So that would, that would be a notch on your paper or your pinky finger counting one true. But I'm not going to go through these with true or false statements. I'm just going to read through them. So I'm not going to coach you on every single one of these. I'm just going to list these and let you do your own counting. I usually see the glass as being half empty. Hmm. You know, that old glass, half full, half empty. Which part of that glass are you staring at? I worry too much. Now, we can't quantify that. We can't say how much is too much. That's why I say get into your gut reaction. You know, just from a gut reaction, if you worry too much. I'm often fatigued. Now, there's physical fatigue. That's circumstantial. We're not talking about working eight hours in the coal mine. We're talking about the psychological fatigue that comes from stress. I have difficulty concentrating. Does your mind get distracted? Do you have a hard time staying focused because of worries? Things that might happen in an hour or the next day? I have trouble meeting deadlines. Are you a procrastinator? You put things off? I love Mark Twain's quote that if you have to eat two frogs, I may be misquoting <laughs> Mark Twain, but if you have to eat two frogs, eat the biggest one first. Get it off your plate. I worry about my health. Hypersensitive, hypochondriacal. I always worry about catching a cold. COVID, 
these things on my mind too much? I generally feel as if I'm on edge. Pensiveness, right? You're, you're kind of just in that state where you're just feeling that you can be triggered. I'm often sad. That's kind of that melancholy feeling about life, relationships, growing older. I have trouble falling asleep. Too much spinning around in your mind. Your body's still tense, not relaxed. I have trouble trusting my perceptions. For example, did I lock that door? Did I talk too much? I have too much doubt. It's hard to just take that leap of faith and believe that things can be okay. I would say I'm insecure. That should be easy to answer. I mean, it's, again, a relative statement. If you see yourself as insecure, well, put that on your checklist. I wake up too early. Oftentimes, with depression, early morning waking can be a sign of the depressiveness itself. My worst time of day is in the morning. I see this often with anxious people that they're more anxious in the morning because all that has to happen is in front of them. What if this goes wrong? What if that? Usually this person by the end of the day feels somewhat relieved because they made it through the day. So if the worst time for you is the morning, well, that's a, that would be a true statement then. I dread having things go wrong. Maybe you're a bit too controlling. You just want to keep everything in line. You know, it's kind of a black and white way of living. And if you don't feel you could handle the dark side of life, then you may dread things going wrong. I'm too concerned with my looks. Now, who's not concerned with their looks? Okay. But again, are you too concerned? That's how you want to answer this. Overly concerned. If that hair's out of place, do you have a hard time going out? You know, that kind of over-concern. I have to have things done my way. Okay. Need to be in control? Opinionated? I can't relax. Huh? Is your mind spinning too much? tense, worried about things coming, just can't let go in the moment, not really being present anymore. I'm never on time. Well, think about it. Life is all about choices. Why aren't you on time? You're trying to squeeze one more thing in before you have to leave and one more thing and I could just get that done. Putting yourself through a ringer. You could never be safe enough. So maybe you wear suspenders in case your belt breaks. You could never be safe enough. Life becomes more of a challenge than it needs to be. I exaggerate my problems. Maybe you're a complainer. It's the old mountain out of molehills. And if you're a complainer, and if you worry too much, exaggerate too much, then... You live in a world of mountains instead of molehills. I experience panic. Panic is a heightened state of anxiety. We feel this almost total loss of control. You go from zero to 60, from somewhat calm to 
totally anxious panic, a panicky reaction. I feel safest when I'm in bed. Yeah. You step out of life's demands, pull those covers over your head, and you're insulated to some extent. But it's getting out of the bed that you face those challenges. I'm too sensitive. If you're too sensitive, you know, it doesn't take much for someone to get you upset. But let's correct that. You allow someone to get under your skin. See, no one makes you. You allow them to. So if you are too sensitive, then you're just trying to navigate life in such a way that you just don't want to ever shoot yourself in the foot. You don't ever want to slip on a banana peel. You don't ever want to be embarrassed. I often wish I were someone else. Hmm. Do you often wish you were someone else? Do you abandon the worth of who and what you are? I fear growing older. So it's that fear, that projection of insecurity, the projection of pessimism. You'll hear people say all the time, growing old is not so easy. Well, that may be so to some extent, but if you're in your early part of your life, the first half of your life, and you fear growing older, then you're just corrupting your life in the moment. And you know what? By the time you get older, take it from me, an old guy, it ain't so bad. You've come to assess a lot of things that are important and more important in your life than ever before, and you live qualitatively a very different life. Life is one problem after another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always something, right? You can never really just sit back and just relax. It's always going to be something else. I don't have much hope for feeling better. Well, you've become identified with your problems. You've become identified with insecurity, your habit of insecurity. And with that comes pessimism. And if you don't have hope of feeling better, then you've kind of conceded. And you've given yourself an excuse for not even trying. Hope springs eternal. I constantly fidget. Yeah, can't relax, can't sit still. A lot of nervous energy, a lot of tension, stress, anxious thinking. I'm prone to road rage, anger, hostility. These are actually controlling strategies. You just want to take charge, and you're using anger and rage as a way of pummeling people to control them. I have phobias. For example, the intense fear of closed spaces, bridges, open spaces, or social encounters. And that concludes my list. Now, if you've run out of fingers, of course, I hope not. And hopefully you've got your number. So if you have scored 10 or less true reactions to these statements, then you're a relatively well-adjusted person, and you're on that left side of the continuum. Are you neurotic? Well, again, it's a relative term. And we've got to throw out that neurotic term. It's too misleading. It's too medical model, if you ask me. How about we just say, how much of your habit of insecurity is interfering with your life? So if you've scored 10 or less, and you are being minimally interfered with by insecurity-driven thinking, aka neurotic thinking, 
then a self-coaching approach to life can really enhance your already healthy personality and provide you with a more dynamic approach to life. That doesn't mean that you can't continue to coach yourself for an even better and happier life. And I call that psychological maturity, handling life, self-trust that you can deal with what comes around that corner. So what if you scored between 11 and 20 true responses? Well, this would suggest a moderate degree of personality erosion. And with a self-coaching approach, you can teach yourself to get beyond the self-limiting effects of insecurity-driven reflexive thinking. So with a moderate degree of insecurity-driven thinking, it's important for you to realize that there's more to it. There's a lot more positive that you can begin to experience by, as I like to say, unlearning the habits of insecurity and in, instead instituting healthier habits, more objective habits, habits that rely on self-trust rather than controlling life over-controlling life, I should say, because it's the over-controlling of life that creates stress. Worrying, for example, is a great example of trying to control life. We worry about what's going to happen and come around that corner. But the more you rely on self-trust, the more you can be present, the more you could be in the moment, realizing that you don't have to anticipate life in order to feel safe, in order to feel resilient. You need to trust. So what if you scored 20 or more? Well, it's not the end of the world. It just suggests that your struggle is significant. Maybe you're already feeling some anxiety or depression. And for you, I think a self-coaching approach can be really beneficial because it could teach you to understand the motor behind your struggles. And by understanding the motor of insecurity and how insecurity has taken the steering wheel, you could begin to neutralize those habits. You can stop feeding the habits of insecurity and start instituting more healthy habits. But there is significant amount of erosion that's taken place by insecurity. And now it's time to realize that, okay, let's, let's wake up. Let's start to address these things that are impinging on my spontaneity, my resilience, my joy of life. So no matter where you fall on that continuum, no matter how beleaguered you are, what, what you should recognize, what I would like you to recognize is that you've made it through this podcast up until this point. How come? Why are you still listening to me? <laughs> well, not that I'm trying to chase you away, but why are you still listening? Well, because there's a healthy part of you that wants to understand. And that healthy part wants to have a better life, a less stressed life. And I truly believe that a self-coached life begins by understanding the habit nature of our struggles. That's the motor. By understanding what generates the discord in your life, the erosion of your life, by understanding the motor, then you can understand the fundamental steps that are necessary to break these habits. So it's all about learning to starve the habits of insecurity and to start feeding new habits, habits of resilience, but most importantly, habits of self-trust. Always keeping in mind, habits are learned and habits, all habits, can be broken. So if you're new to my podcast, I invite you to join me every week as I discuss the nuts and bolts of just how you apply self-coaching to unravel the tangles of insecurity-driven habits 
and release and liberate yourself to the potential life that you deserve. And if you want to dig even deeper, then I suggest you check out my books, particularly two of the books, Self-Coaching, the powerful program to beat anxiety and depression, and my latest book, Unlearning Anxiety and Depression. But keep in mind, you could learn more about my philosophy at my website, self, I should say, www. Do we still have to say www? Anyway, selfcoaching.net. So regardless of where you are on that continuum, let's begin to shift everything to the left day by day with practice, with effort, with tenacity. Let's start neutralizing the neurotic tendencies and replacing them with healthy, mature, here and now, present, responsive living. So until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle is not an option. And by definition, victims are powerless and you're not powerless. So remember, everything's hard until you make it simple. So join me every week. And what do you say we make it simple Believe together? Yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold